You're listening to a resource from Jamboree Anglican Church. Well, we got a couple of questions that you've asked. I'm pleased we we didn't have any last week. Remember that? Uh, now we've got four. So here we go. Uh, the first question up on the screen is this: uh, What was the reason that Paul was sent to prison? Uh, what was the reason that Paul was sent to prison? Well, you remember right at the start of Ephesians chapter 3, verses, verse 1, he started to talk about some stuff, and then suddenly he said, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And it kind of changed the feel of everything. It's like, here's a guy who's in prison, and yet he's our main leader. So how's that work? And uh, the question is, why is he in prison? I mean, has he gone there because he's you know, stolen a car, even though cars hadn't been invented at that time, uh, or a chariot or something? No, not quite. Uh, the reason he was sent to prison is because he preached about Jesus. And what's more, not only did he preach about Jesus, which was unpopular with some of the religious rulers, more specifically than that, he was telling them that you could be a friend of God without having to keep all the Jewish traditions and all the Jewish laws which is exactly what Ephesians is all about. So there's a bit of irony there that he was thrown in the clinger because he was teaching about the the means that Gentiles could be included. So we read about this in Acts, um, Acts 21, 27 to 28. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple at Jerusalem, and they roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defies this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. It's, uh, it's kind of ironic that he would be speaking to the very Gentiles that he was being persecuted for telling about Jesus. And yet it's because he was so faithful to the message that he received from Jesus that he just couldn't stop. And that's why he has this weakness that he's stuck there in prison, which is actually a great strength. Question two. This is one of those maybe gotcha kind of questions. Uh, Since Gentiles like Rahab and Ruth were included in God's people, how can we say that Gentiles were unequal with Jews? Well, it's all sort of related to what we saw also in Ephesians 3, verse 6. It says, and this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. So the question is this, Ruth and Rahab were amongst a bunch, a special bunch of people who were not Jewish in any way, shape or form. And yet you see that God has brought them into his family and, and Ruth and Rahab in particular are legends because you see how they, they, they left their old ways behind and actually risked their lives, particularly with Rahab. Is she unequal then? Well, right from the start of the Bible, we saw that Gentiles were being included, people who were non-Jews, and they were being treated effectively as part of the Jewish family. But I think it would be right to say that after, well, because what we read here, what, after the death of Jesus, there's now a whole new body that has been created, the body of Christ. This body of Christ has both Jew and Gentile equally sharing in all of God's blessings in it, which is a little bit of a shift, really, because in the past it was like you've got the Jews and then some Gentiles were sort of slotted in. And then by the time Jesus dies and rises, it's sort of like 
those ones who have been slotted in and the whole thing, they are all sort of this one new body, equally Jews and Gentiles together, and the Gentiles and the Jews all coming together. So how does it work with the timing then? Well, the people in the Old Testament, how were they saved? Were they saved by doing good works before God? No. They were saved by grace. They were forgiven by God. How were they forgiven by God? By the blood of lambs and animals and things in the temple? No, they didn't do the job. They all pointed to a thing that was going to happen a bit later on, which was the death of Jesus. So how did how is Abraham in heaven? Through Jesus. How is Moses in heaven? Through Jesus. How's King David in heaven? Through Jesus. How's Rahab? How's Ruth? Through Jesus. So I think we can say that Rahab and Ruth were genuinely included in God's people, even though they were sort of kind of culturally they were a ring in with God's people. By the time Jesus rose from the dead and the new and, and all of the Gentiles were starting to be included in the time of Acts, you can see that they were equal in socially as well in every way. Question three, who are the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places that are mentioned in Ephesians 3.10? Well, here it says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Huh? Who are they? Are they kind of like the Christians in heaven or are they, what, what, what are, well, in Ephesians we see, we, we see many references to these unseen rulers and authorities. And the question is, who are they? Well, we don't know a heap about them, but there are certainly heavenly beings who are both good and evil. It's kind of like angels and demons and those sorts of crew. And we, we don't see a lot about them, but I think that it's more likely that Paul's talking about the evil ones in particular. Uh, the bad spirits are trying to bring down God's people. And they're cheering when Jesus dies, and then they realise, oops, we've actually been uh, had our power taken away from us. They've been defeated at that point. So what happens is, from the moment that Jesus died and rose again, the power cord's been pulled out of the wall from these guys who are these evil um, rulers and authorities that you can't see, but they're in the heavenly realms. And what, it, what happens is God uses the church, which is the body of Christ, which is all the people of God, to actually go you know, nah, 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 to all of those unseen rulers and authorities. It's like, you think you've got power? You think you're, you're great and you're mighty and you're doing all these things in the world? Well, have a look at Jesus' body, the church. Yeah, you're losers. Correct. And that's exactly what happens as the church displayed its wisdom in this rich variety. And finally, how can I grow in my love of Jesus? I love these kinds of questions, uh, especially when they coincide so beautifully with what I'm speaking on tonight. So stay tuned. Uh, You'll see that Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21 talk very specifically about how it is that we can grow in the love of Jesus and why we'd want to do just that. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jembrew Anglican Church. For more information, head to jembrewanglican.com.